Hello, and welcome back to The Uncanny Roundup, where listeners just like you can call in to share their tales of the strange and unexplained. Tonight, on a very special edition of The Uncanny Roundup, we talk about one of the most haunting and emotional topics in the history of this show. I want to warn my listeners, if this is something that could make you uncomfortable, perhaps turn off your radio and rejoin us during another episode. The question of the nature of death is perhaps the root of what all paranormal investigators and most of my radio rats are seeking to answer. Vampires, werewolves, monsters, aren't they our fear of change and decay personified? And what is death if not both of these things? I have spoken before about my reluctance regarding ghosts, or at least that most of these sightings are spirits of the deceased. Some subscribe to something called stone tape theory, the idea that high emotion can imprint a series of events upon the very fabric of a place. Those who follow this line of thought will go so far as to say that a soil that is high in quartz content is especially prone to hauntings of this nature. Yet there are some hauntings that have their own kind of architecture, like this caller from Massachusetts, who dreams of her sister. You know, the term saint gets thrown around pretty loosely, but my kid sister Josephine was one. She was beautiful too, and that is not just colored by my memory. She's always one that people ask about when you show a family photo. She was shy, but she was excellent with animals. She was always rescuing these tiny kittens and birds. You know, she became a vegetarian and asked Mother if the money saved from not eating meat could go to caring for her animals. If you can imagine, I was pretty jealous of her. I was always getting into trouble, tearing my clothes while climbing trees or roughhousing with the neighborhood boys. And she was basically the perfect child. You know, I always thought if one of us was a saint, then the other must be a sinner. But when I was 20 and she was 18, she suddenly fell ill and she died. Our family fell apart in her absence. And if I could never measure up to my sister when she was alive, how could I measure up to her ghost? My father fell into a deep depression, and my mother got angry at the slightest provocation. So I left for school. A few months later, when an abroad program to a rainforest nation opened up, I took that opportunity. I wanted to be as far away from everything that reminded me of Josephine and our fractured family as possible. I threw myself into my internship at a local hospital, and... Uh, My new environment around me and helping others, I found, distracted me from my own sadness. About a month before I was due back to my home university, I started to feel odd. I was tired all the time and achy. At first I talked it up to work in long hours, but then my dreams started to get odd. I remember telling my friend Maria... I'm having a dream when I wake up in my bed and I'm pulled towards the window. And when I look out there, there's a woman in white at the edge of the forest. 
She shuddered. That sounds like death itself. Her analysis did little to comfort me, to say the least. Of course, I had the dream again that night. But maybe Maria was right. Maybe that figure was death itself. I willed myself to not get up out of bed in the dream. And the next morning, I woke up sicker than I had been in my entire life. Oh, the next week was just a blur of fever. Thank God I was there in a medical internship because it turned out to be a particularly strong virus. I was getting good care at the hospital, but the illness was ravaging my body. I I couldn't even tell the nurses that I spoke their language. I was even too weak to weep when I heard them say I was going to die. My body was shutting down. I was thousands of miles away from my family, and I wasn't even sure they'd be contacted. I sunk into blackness. And that night, when I had the dream again, I went to the window. I looked out there, and there was the woman in white. She had a white veil over her face, too. I went to the bedroom door and I opened it and I went out the front door of the hospital and nobody stopped me. It was as though they couldn't even see me. I went out across the dark lawn of the hospital, my my bare feet wet with dew and the hem of my hospital gown dancing around my knees. I approached the woman in white and I told her, you know, I'm ready to go with you. The woman lifted her hands to her face and removed a veil and there was the face that I wanted to see more than any other. That of my sister. She told me she'd been waiting here in case I tried to walk into the dark forest. She said that now was not my time, but when my time did come, she'd be waiting to walk with me the whole way. She told me that I had to go back and fight. I can only describe the feeling as being filled with light, When I opened my eyes, I was back in the hospital. My parents were waiting for me, and the doctor informed me I'd been out for three days straight, but that the worst was somehow over, and it seemed I'd recover. My parents thanked the doctors profusely, but I know who really saved me. It was my own pale saint reaching out for me once more, this time to save my life. Josephine. I try to be a better person every day. I know you see it. Remember to tell your people you love them, listeners. And thanks. Signing off. Thank you so much for listening to Lost Signal Society. If you're enjoying our unique brand of programming, Please subscribe so you don't miss a single story. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Lost Signal Society, on Twitter, at Lost Signal SOC, or check out our website, LostSignalSociety.com, and explore the map of the Lost Signal universe. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.